Do you want to see my impression of this movie? Yeah, go ahead. This might be only funny for you because you can see me. <laughs> um, uh, boy, it's hot in here. God, boy, it's hot. Oh, it's hot in here. Oh, oh okay. We sit down. All right, all right. Oh, do we have to listen to this mess? Oh, God. Oh, God. The nerve of this guy. The nerve of this guy. Okay. All right. Just sit down. Shall we vote? Ah, we're going to be here all day. It's just constant getting up and sitting down for an hour and a half. It's been 45 minutes, man. Like, (laughs) you can't deliberate for 45 minutes without worrying about if you're going to miss that Yankees game. Yeah, that Yankees game. (laughs) I got tickets to a game that burned a hole in my pocket. I need it. I need it. (laughs) Welcome to the Pot Charles Cinecast, presented by the uh, Breadcrumbs Collective, I think, and the Prince Charles Cinema. (laughs) I say I think just because, yeah, okay. I can't be bothered anymore, guys. I can't be bothered <laughs> with social media. Mm. You're not on that thread game? You're going to move us over to thread? I mean, we have a threads account. You can follow us there if oh, you want. Oh, do we? But, like, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to post there. <laughs> like, <laughs> Fair enough. I just haven't been posting. Like, I've been so bad about saying, hey, we have new episodes. So, uh, mm. I'm just hoping that, like, people who are listening people are, they like, follow us they, they follow subscribe, us they know. they're gonna see yeah. yeah they're gonna see the episode yeah sometimes you need to have a mental break from mm. social media and uh yeah i've been kind of doing that a little bit you know and just Good. like i've been on there but like i just i'm not gonna post shit i don't mm. don't want to get involved in the fucking discussion of people who are just assholes all the time for no reason you know and <laughs> uh you know, it's interesting because this film just reminds me that it's uh, 1957 and it came out and nothing's fucking changed. Nothing's changed, bro. Nothing's changed. Nothing changed. People just are replaced, assholes and they always have been. Just, yeah, just replace the fate of a young boy with, you know, Barbie. A trans trans person uh, existing? Uh, like, uh, I, I was going to go with movies and people yeah, taking okay. this shit seriously. But yes, that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, nothing, nothing had really changed. Whatever. How you doing, Phil? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm all right. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Welcome to the Pod Charles Santa Cast. Yeah, presented by they, the they're Charles listening. They this know is your Sean Foster, and this is my juror boy, Phil. Juror number juror two. number one. You can be juror, juror number, number one. Okay, cool. Hi, you hi, can be number yeah, one. Go ahead. How you doing? I'm juror number two. Um, I gotta keep up. I gotta keep it up. You know, you gotta be a boy somehow, Phil. So yeah, well, juror boy. I mean, sorry. I'll jump ahead. That's a really impressive thing about this movie. You don't know anybody's fucking name. Yeah. That's like number one rule that you shouldn't break in a story. And it fucking works. You know everybody and like You know yeah, everything about this person except yeah, yeah. their name. Their name. Until <laughs> yeah, the end. Uh, if you're following me, like on this podcast, <laughs> you know I've been trying to make a movie and I've just yeah. had so many I've just had a lot of setbacks in the last few months and it's getting like quite uh uh draining so mm. i've been quite down recently i've got there's literally like one thing left to do and it got done but like i'm not entirely happy with it so i might have to just to do it somewhere else with somebody else and and it's a time-consuming thing so it's just frustrating you know like hoping to sort of have it be ready for like a show at least next month but now probably be a couple months and now realistically it's like if i can screen it by the end of the year i'll be lucky yeah um and that's that's the goal and it's just trying to be okay with that that things are gonna 
taking long and they're gonna take and like I can't put out something I'm not happy with you know what I'm saying yeah um but like I've been trying you know I mean I'll, I'm gonna send out like a email another email update soon and I'll put something I've been working on like a little thing in there to put in there that like hopefully will tide people over a little behind the scenes mm. thing that hopefully people will like to have a look at um but i thought i'd i'd, I'd mention it because people um, i imagine people wondering people do come people like uh, nicely enough you know regulars come in and they recognize me from the campaign or from the podcast and they'll be like how's your movie coming along and i'll usually be saying the same thing yeah you know it's like it's coming you know i've been just doing just this bit left just this bit left um yeah 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 and it's just a game of inches now which is weird you know like you build up to the fucking shoot and you think this is gonna be the hardest bit and that was the shortest bit that was like a month yeah and then we were done and then like yeah everything else and taking so goddamn long and it, I think, it's close yeah you know, it's I think really close what but. it is as well and what you're you know it's important it's really important to you and to everybody who was involved in it and like the idea that you could make the most of it by releasing it in a time frame that actually like is just really beneficial to yourself and everyone involved in terms of like you know it's mm-hmm. done in a terms of it like being the best possible version it can be and that mm-hmm. you're happy with and if that takes time that's cool but if it like pushes you to a, a new time frame that opens you know you up to more avenues that you've missed because it wasn't done you know in mm-hmm. this year and like you know run up of festivals and stuff like that then you have the mm-hmm. opportunity to look forward to the next year and even if it sounds mm-hmm. like that's crazy it's like well at least you know you're you're gonna release it and it's gonna be you know in its best form and you're not rushing it out just to get it out you know so i think that's like you know i know it sucks like i'm doing it with my album as well but it's like i'm not happy with it so it's just like fucking just i didn't need to like figure it out on my own time and like Mm -hmm. you know the best possible version that i'm actually happy with and Mm -hmm. finish it and release it then instead Mm -hmm. of like you know oh fuck i said it was gonna be out by this point and then just like getting it out (laughs) But yeah, no, I, I like I, I hear you and like uh, I sympathize because I, I do know a little bit about what you were talking about. You've kind of lost mm. over it roughly, but we were talking about it last week off air. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sucks, but I'm like happy that you're, you know, you're still fucking trucking along. And I believe in you. Yeah. And everybody Thank out you. there who's listening believes in you. <laughs> and we're going to, wow. uh, we support you, man. Because it's going to be awesome. That's going to be really cool. It's going to be like a great time. I had a blast with it and like, Cause like it's weird things like tying together with stuff I'm doing with this I announced mm. last week on the podcast uh, the film yeah. the other film Ooh, I'm going to be in movie. so it's like these weird projects happening kind of like at the same time you know one's going to be done and then the other's just going to start and it's going to be like yeah dude shit's happening we're making stuff mm. happen we're going to be like making moves making wave breaking yeah. wave like point break <laughs> yeah I just thought I'd, I thought it kind of reminded me could we talked about it with Dan. On our projections episode, mm-hmm. and I kind of realized, oh, it's like I haven't really talked about it on the podcast for a while, so I thought I'd yeah. give people a sort of update if that's really an update. Yeah, you're like, it's happening. Get off my it's back. Happening. It, it, how about this? It's cut. I mean, I got I fucking locked it like months ago, like February, March, um, and the grade is done, and I'm very happy with how it looks. Just not very happy with how it, it's sounding so yes. far. Mute, not. 
and not musically. Got all my tracks, mostly uh, Jonathan's music. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're a fan of Tor, you're going to fucking love the regulars. Um, but the actual sound uh, needs work, and it's a very weird, delicate art in itself. Um, so that's the that's the thing that's left to do. It's the it's the mix essentially, the sound mix. So, um, but yeah, I'll, if I have any updates. But yeah, I'll I'll do. There'll be an email update soon. I just thought I would mention it here yeah. on the podcast. Because again, yes. I'm not on social media. I don't do that shit anymore, which is been very good for um everybody um so yeah yeah i'm gonna have to be careful it's a good thing that this like film's not very funny um because i like it hurts to laugh (laughs) (laughs) i'm in pain what what Um, did you do well because i am working out like i well you know i'm trying to work out a little bit so like because i'm gonna be playing this fucking killer man i'm gonna be playing a fucking killer dude yeah in this movie um hey by the way the indiegogo's live go to the girls hyphen movie.com and on there you'll find the link to the indiegogo uh and i've been tweeting it out as well so i i've been doing that on social media that's about it uh, which is great. And if anybody who's been listening has seen those links and they've supported already, that's awesome. Thanks for that. And if you uh, want to support the Indiegogo, go ahead. It's a trans women-led horror film. And I'm going to be one of the killers in it, which uh, I'm not particularly happy about, like, that I have to be killing trans women. But um, that's fucked up. But that's the point of the film. <laughs> that's, that's the, the point, point of the film. So, uh, yeah, and it's it's written by, directed by, and it's going to be starring mostly trans women, and that's great. So uh, support trans arts, and, um, you know, just go support the cost. Help make the film happen. Thegirls-movie.com. Uh, yeah, so I've been working out a little bit, and I'm, I, I think I'm, like, fucking first day in just, at the gym. You pulled something? Like, pulled a fucking muscle. Did you chest. stretch? Yeah, I did, but like I uh. stupidly like thought like I, I thought I'm also getting slightly confused by kilograms versus pounds because like in my oh. head I'm still pounds and I don't really yeah. understand kilograms. And I I went to this uh, which I, I feel like years ago I probably could have lifted it and it would have been fine, but there was like a um, you know fucking bench press mm. and uh, the barbell was already loaded and it didn't look like a lot. And, like I could uh, do that. I, I was able to do it, but as I was pushing up on the first, I popped something. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> oh god damn! Put that and down. it's kind of ruined me for like the rest of the times I've gone into the gym. But it's been good. Shut I've been getting shit. up at like six a.m. and because I've been waking Whoa. up at six a.m. like I've been saying the last few weeks on the podcast, yeah. like I can't sleep anymore. I'm fucking insane, and I like I just wake up at I'm like five thirty or six in the morning, and I'm just like, "Fuck!" So now I'm just gonna get up and go to the gym. And even if yeah, it's like yeah, make you on a treadmill time. or something. Yeah. So, and that yeah. shit makes you tired. Yeah. It'll help you sleep. Yes. Yes. Because I have been more tired in the last few days. <laughs> so, speaking, but anyway, yeah, that's speaking, what I'm doing. Spe- yeah. No, no. Speaking of uh, no sleep, because I don't sleep. Never been a good sleeper. I've, I've, and I've finally got a sleep test done. Wow. Have you ever done this? No. I haven't got the results back yet, though. I can't, I can't, I can't tell you. It's, when I think uh, of I sleep I'd... test, I think of that scene from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Where Bro, that's exactly what like I was the, hoping like it would be. And shit yeah, and shit. that's not how it is. I thought, okay, you're going to come in, you're going to sleep in a hospital for two nights, we're going to hook you up to a bunch of shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's fucking terrifying, but kind of cool. No, they just send you a kit, and it's just a thing. It's, it's just a, it's a thing, they, it's a sensor on your finger. 
yeah. that's like your blood oxygen and uh, your pulse. And then it's this sensor, it's this like little thing, looks like a big button that you have to literally, it's got like an adhesive strip on it. You just stick, and I had to shave a bit of my neck to do it, ah. which is weird. I thought you looked just, a little bit, you know, smoother there. Yeah, oh, <laughs> thank you for noticing. And you Ow. stick it to the base of your neck. <laughs> you stick it to the base of your neck and it feels like something's on your neck. Like every time you swallow, yeah, like you feel it, like you have a constant lump in your throat. So it didn't help me sleep at all, which I guess is good for the test. But And then it connects to your app. It like records. It's recording like, I think it's a sleep apnea test basically. So it's oh, like okay, recording, yeah. I guess, how many times you stop breathing. Because everybody stops breathing when they sleep. Like, mm-hmm. okay. But like sleep apnea, is like you do it way more than yeah. healthy and you choke and you wake up choking and like it affects your heart and your lungs and everything. So it's a test for that, I guess. But it was really weird. I had to do it for two nights and then both days after I had just massive red mark on my <laughs> neck like a fucking hickey or something. Um, ooh, you got a lesion, dude. <laughs> um, but like, uh, yeah, so I've done that. So, but And I sent it away. So hopefully I don't have sleep apnea. Yeah, I hope <laughs> just, so just too. I, mean, I think I'm just a crazy insomniac. I think everything yeah. is mental, but whatever. I, this is, I guess this is the first step to finding out. Now that I'm nearly 30, I'm trying to take care of myself. Yeah, yeah, same here, I guess. I, I stopped drinking and... Uh yeah, I mean, and you I, look I, fucking, I, you look fucking amazing since you stopped drinking, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I think like, yeah, like I, I definitely was dealing with some sleep apnea, but it was worse when I was drinking, and like if and I snored and stuff, and I don't do it as much now. Mm. So like when I don't drink, it's like you're great. So yeah, okay. <laughs> um, drink. another hydrated. reason not to drink. Yeah, drink you know, water. Drink water. Stop drinking, mm. you know, sodas. Um, I'm not giving up coffee. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Phil, um, we're, we're here. No one wants to hear about our personal lives, I guess. I don't know. I thought that's um, all they wanted to hear. <laughs> I really don't know. People apparently don't know still anymore. Listen. Who do we appeal to? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. People apparently still listen. I listen to like certain podcasts and they get straight to the point. And then I know it's a bit of a like a beef with certain podcasts to like talk about personal shit. And to not like get to the point. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, should we just get to the point? And then sometimes we just talk shit for ages. And this one's yeah. like almost the worst one. Uh, good thing is this, this film's kind of like old and works like uh, it's yeah. kind of chill. And like, uh, there's not a lot that I have for this episode. I took it mm. kind of pr- pretty easy anyway, because last mm. week's was like fucking long. Oh, uh, the mammoth jam, so, the heat was yeah. on. Um, but yeah, you know what, Phil, all good things must come to an end, you know, our, our crime wave is over. We're done, but we got busted. Now we must stand trial because you know what we like to do? Break the law!
<laughs> breaking the law. Last week, we were stuck in the middle of a game of cat and mouse between a detective and a criminal who were so hard up for each other and got so caught <laughs> up in the heat of passion that they decided to skip town together, leaving us to take the rap for their misdeeds. So now we are on the trial of our lives for a crime we didn't commit, and our only hope lies within the judgment of the jury. Dun dun. It wouldn't be so bad if they weren't white. (laughs) (laughs) Old men. Twelve angry men. There we go. On the point of that knife, a man's life is at stake. I'm just saying it's possible. And I say it's not possible. I want you to watch this because I don't want to have to do it again. I'll make myself about six or seven inches shorter, okay? It's about right. Maybe a little more. Okay, a little more. Here's what I think happened. How could he be positive about anything? I don't understand you people. I mean, all these picky little points you keep bringing up, they don't mean nothing. You are going to try a man for murder. The awesome power to kill will suddenly be thrust into your hands. Watch them and pray, for someday you may become one of them. Twelve men with the smell of violent death in their nostrils. What's the matter with you guys? You're letting them slip through our fingers. Slip through our fingers? Are you his executioner? You cut it. Ever since you walked into this room, you've been acting like a self-appointed public avenger. Shut up. You're a sadist. Twelve men turned into twelve clawing animals. Give them all. Give Following the closing arguments in a murder trial, the 12 members of the jury must deliberate with a guilty verdict meaning death for the accused of an inner city teen. As the dozen men try to reach a unanimous decision while sequestered in one room, one juror, Henry Fonda, casts considerable Mm. doubt on the elements of the case. Personal issues soon soon rise to the surface and conflict threatens to derail the delicate process that will decide one boy's fate. It's the 1957 courtroom drama written by Reginald Rose and directed <laughs> once again. Oh, here we go. The man who kicked two, off two the, for two. the arc. Well, is he kicking off this one? Was, is he going to kick off the kick third off the part? the break? No. Um, no. I don't did, think he made a prison break movie. I don't think he what did. What the fuck? So we know this is the last time we're going to hear from this man, but directed by... One Mr. Sidney Lumet. Hot takes mm. out the gate, Phil. 
12 angry, angry boys. 12, 12 angry, angry men. Angry men. 12 angry men. What were we saying in our chat? We were 12, like 12 angered ang- boys. Angered boys. And angered uh, boys. the angered boys 12. And meteorite. boys to the power what of 12. What did I call it? Meteorite municipality. Yeah. Comet town. <laughs> Comet town. <laughs> yeah. If you want to go over to Patreon, uh, we'll have an episode for Asteroid City. I'll, it'll come out in the main timeline very soon as well. 12 angered dude. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll try and, I'll try and be brief. I don't think I'm going to be controversial with this movie. Uh, I think it, and I've only watched it. I only watched it for the first time fairly recently in the last few. I think it was another one of a, a like a, a lockdown movie that Dusty showed me. Mm. I rewatched it this morning, and I don't. We neither of us throw this around too much, but I think Twelve Angry Men may be like a perfect movie. It's a near perfect <laughs> movie for for me at least. Yeah. It's my kind of shit. I yeah. love dialogue heavy movies i love people like like movies set in one place mm-hmm. over one like in real time you know like over one day it's just a bunch of guys in a room talking and it's like a courtroom drama kind of yeah. they're discussing the legalities and specifications of a case which i fucking love i love courtroom movies this is my favorite section of breaking the law you know crime movies are fun and the next bit is fun, but this is my sh- I love this yeah. stuff. If lawyers weren't so shitty, obviously <laughs> not like fucking civil rights, like public defender t- attorney, but like, you know, there's a version of me somewhere that goes into law because I find it really fucking fascinating. Yeah. From top to bottom, I kind of love everything about this movie. I love the way it's put together and like it's something I grew more appreciation for after reading Cindy Limit's book, which I've already talked about on this show. But like... I love the way it's constructed. I love the way it's shot. The way, like, it's not something you notice the first time around, but like, if you're watching it again because we're doing it, like, notice how the shot angles through the movie evolve from yeah, yeah, high yeah. angle looking down to eye level to eventually low angle looking up at everybody. Yeah, using and more a of the window photographic lens as yeah. well, just to like yeah. make it more claustrophobic. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. so, and with the finally the light coming through, the storm coming through, it's mm. so claustrophobic. It's so hot. It's so tense. It's like fucking do the right thing. Like you feel the heat. It's like the hottest day of the year. Everybody's sweating balls in that well, room. Well, it's also like, like dog day afternoon. <laughs> yes, and dog day Julia, afternoon, man. Julia was like, man, he really and likes heat. like people really being hot, doesn't he? He loves sweaty <laughs> boys. 12 sweaty boys. That's the fucking name of the movie. Uh, That's the name of the episode, 12 sweaty boys. 12 sweaty boys. The, the cast is like stacked. I just love every actor is great in it. Yeah, and it, even like the way it shot going from like sweeping wide shot to like you know covering everybody in one long take to like very individual close-up shot you know as the film gets more personal you get closer to each individual character as you know more about them and like i was saying at the beginning like for a film that you don't know anybody's name you get a really good sense of who they are mm-hmm. and i just love i love the themes of it i love you know the little things that can sway a person or a group of people you know it's like you see it all the time with like any public issue and people fucking going crazy about it on the internet. All these things that like inform opinions, whether it be and in judgment on people, like what can influence a jury from fear 
to insecurity, to a need for attention, to personal prejudice, to personal vendettas, like every, like just fucking peer pressure and like wanting to go to a game. Like it's something, (laughs) you know, it's so something so minuscule to something very emotional by the end. And like, it's just, again, it's a movie that is so bound by the principle of truth and the search for it and the importance of reasonable doubt. And like it shows the sort of significance, the beauty and the fragility of democracy and the American judicial system. Yeah. And I find that so fucking fascinating. Like I just love it. There's so many standout moments. Like the fucking bit when that old guy goes on in fucking racist tirade and everybody just gets up and turns their back on him. It's the most powerful, like goosebump moment of that film. It's amazing. And I completely, it's complete. It's weird because it's completely of the time. Like it's something you wouldn't see in a movie today. Like that sort of thing would only exist back then. Yeah, but it's like, very much it's a still play powerful. moment. Of yeah, it's, it's still very, very powerful. powerful. Yeah, but like, like, and that's one thing I think I could pick apart about this movie, and maybe that thing of it being, I think it could be more. I think it could go in on that. I think it could. have I mean, it's in nineteen fifty seven, so you know, I think what would have helped if it if it had a more diverse cast, and I think the kid on trial should have been a minority. I think that like that would have really really informed that speech and really given it even more weight to his sort of prejudices against, you know, kids from the slums, you know, yeah. and like one of the other jurors sort of being someone who grew up in that sort of neighborhood. Yeah. It was like taking they were offense to that. trying to go like more it's like, there, a, like Italian, like, like, you know, American yes, style. Yes. And it's they still were just there, trying to yeah. like, you know, they were skirting it a bit, but they were like, they seemed like slightly afraid. To like yeah, really go full is, blown, which is, is very interesting about. because yeah. you know we'll get into it next week. You know, without we're going to do a few little, you know, um, hints to like what we're doing next week. But uh, mm. yeah, they don't pull any punches. So no, they don't. But <laughs> but no, like I I love this movie. It's like yeah. it's one of those few. I mean, not loads. Like, but it's like a classic black and white drama that like really still holds your attention it could have been written yesterday like it's so modern and progressive it doesn't feel dated maybe some of the language is dated but like all the archetypes are still yeah they're still still, they're still still well drawn and still there in yeah narrative fiction and like i just find it really really effective it's so great for completely different reasons than Dog Day Afternoon is great. And they're completely different movies. Like this one is so carefully measured and thought out in terms of how it's put together. And Dog Day is so messy and almost, you know, documentary style way of filmmaking. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It just shows you like, again, the versatility of Denis Lamet at this time. This is 20 years different. And like, yeah. again, it's, it's like when we did Kubrick, we did like Path of Glory and Full Metal Jacket. And it's like so weird to compare the two, like great for different reasons yeah. in different ways. I, I, I think 12 Angry Men is fucking great. You know, it's like, it's that thing where we were talking about with, and I brought it up in, in Dog Day Afternoon that like, it was the first film where he was allowing people to really like, you know, just riff 
and improvise on his set. Yeah. And this one yeah. is completely different. And I'll get into mm. it, but like he really had them fucking rehearse the shit out of this. So it feels um, like it. Yeah. But yeah. Like I, to be honest, like uh, I was, I'm actually kind of happy to hear you say that it's like a relatively new one for you. And you know, you've seen it before, mm. but like you, uh, you know, only just recently. And uh, yeah, because basically this is again, another Lamette film I just hadn't seen before. And oh, it was one, nice. Like, That's it cool was, though. Like, yeah. And, and I always like that. It's one that I've always meant to, to watch and I had no reason not to watch it. And it's one of these things like, they're like funny about me and Julia is that like, Julia grew up in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. And a lot of her like, you know, upbringing was like watching old MGM musicals and stuff. And like, mm. she's seen, you know, films here and there, but a lot of her references of like certain movies were either like from the Simpsons or Wayne's world. And she like hadn't seen so many movies. And like, I was introducing her to so many films, but this was like one that she had seen. It's a classic that she was always like screaming at me, like, Oh, we need to watch 12 angry moon. And I was just like, I just need a, like a good time to like, cause especially with mm. the podcast, we're always watching shit you know, and it just hasn't come up yet on the podcast. And it, like, you yeah. know, we're always watching movies. So like when I watch something, a movie, most of the time it's I'm watching it for the podcast. So like, I don't really get the opportunity sometimes to just watch a film for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I hadn't gotten around to it. And then also recently, I mean, this is the uh, Breaking the Law season's actually been in the works in my head for probably six months now. So it's like, you know, just like holding off until we get to it. So <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so. I finally watched it and yeah, I mean, I kind of just hundred percent just agree with what you said. It's oh, great. Nice. It's a fucking, I think even Julia was saying this is like a perfect movie. It's a good fucking story. Um, mm. You know, there's some bits that you could pick apart in terms of like the, uh, what, like what would actually happen if someone tried to bring a fucking knife that they got, like, yes. you know, during their own I, fucking I research. This all stuff. would have like led to a mistrial. Yeah. For sure. It would have been it's thrown all out. Speculation. But it is really good. Um, and yeah. And like the way you touched on it, like uh, just the way you have all these different characters, it's just so wonderfully played out. And it, like, it, you know, I said earlier, it just reminds you that nothing's ever changed. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. People like act like, you know, all oh, things were different in my day. In 1957, they were saying things were different in my day. It's like, that's Mm -hmm. all these fucking people have to say. You know, that's all they ever have to say. And it turns out most of those people, and especially you watch this film, who like don't like someone who's different, doesn't like the foreigners, doesn't like, you know, this, Mm -hmm. that, or the other, they're usually painted out to be the bad guy. So fuck them. And that's like the exact same thing we should be doing today. Instead of listening to all these fucking Stop people listening. having their little fucking echo oh. chambers on Twitter. Fuck them, dude. Stop this listening is what I mean. Fuck them. Dude, this is, what, this is what I mean. I'm sorry. I don't want to derail you, but like, yeah. this is what I mean. That's why I love that moment so much. Cause it's like, stop listening to these people. Yeah. Just cause we have a platform does not mean we should embellish these fucking people. I feel like some things aren't up for debate anymore. Like yeah. it's not like this person's opinion. Let's have them on and let them talk shit. And like, the media gender is like more money and like pitting people against each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking both sides, but like modern day gladiators. You know, I, yeah. Like I don't want to listen to somebody who thinks that they can justify their homophobia or racism or transphobia or xenophobia in any fucking way. It's outdated as fuck, and I don't want 
to hear it. And you shouldn't, we're done. We're done yeah. with it. It's not yeah, yeah. up for debate anymore. And we just need to stop listening to these people. You don't have to, it's just a mess of voices. And yeah. you don't have to give everybody so much fucking room. Like, I'm all for, like, giving people space to, like, grow if they admit they're wrong and shit, you know? Yes, always. Yes. Because, like, Normal, that's like, one thing we don't, we don't we do. don't. And that's, like, no. exactly what this film, people like, can sort, of, change. sort of, like, builds on. Like, someone building a case for a reason to cast reasonable doubt. Even if yeah. it's fucking bullshit, like we were saying, because you can't really fucking go play detective. You have to play by yeah. the rules that are set out. Yeah. You can't bring your own fucking evidence to the jury room. Sure. You should also out. sentence the kid to death because you got to go to a baseball game. Yes. Like, you fucking hell. Yeah. 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 Um, but like, or because they're all like, the, the thing is though, the, what I appreciate about some, something like that is that there would be someone like that there that like, it's really yes. realistic. Like all of these characters are really fucking realistic. And I really like that. Yeah, fuck that noise about people screaming about being deplatformed or canceled unless if they're fucking willing to own up and change. Uh, or at least, like, you know, recognize when they're wrong. Um, because, like, not everybody's perfect, you know, and then you, like, learn from it because you're dumb and stupid and young and you, like, you know, own up to shit you've said and just move on and, like, move forward. And, yeah, like, yeah. I saw a really awesome video of Miriam Margolis, like, from uh, Age of Innocence. From the age of, age of innocence, yes, she plays the yes, elder yes. lady. She was yeah. in like, I think it maybe Australia, like talking to a tribe of Aboriginal people who mm. were actually largely transgender, and they were like uh, men who were transitioning into women. So they were women. Mm. They basically were like, you know, like this, they had beards and stuff. And she had said something about like, oh, you know, like you need you need to shave and blah 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 because like women look this way. And they were like. Telling her like, oh no, like, you know, like we don't see that here. That's mm. not our culture. Like, you know, we don't care about the looks and appearances about who's inside and stuff. And uh, mm. Miriam Margolis was like, oh, so like what I said, just like was really stupid. And like, I'm really, you know, and she just immediately <laughs> yeah, yeah, owns yeah. up to she it. And it's to like, it. yeah. it's just like shit. Like, why can't everybody nice. just nice do like, Yeah. Because who cares? Like for real like the people who go i'm going off on a tirade here but like the people who <laughs> go on twitter and stuff and like go off and their whole identity is to like talk shit about transgender people or talk shit about jewish people or talk shit about this that or the other yeah it's yeah, like yeah. why do you exist to live this way like you yeah. must have better things going on in your life to like more important things like you're, it's not healthy. Like, get the fuck yeah, offline. Yeah. Like, that's all yeah. you do is just go and track people down to like say, oh, transgender people are like yeah, child groomers. Attack. It's like fuck yeah. off, dude. Like, this is you're this, a piece there's of a shit. Li- <laughs> there's a line. <laughs> there's a line in this movie that I that really stood out that I really liked, and I think mm. about it a lot because when I think about these kind of people, bigot, you know, and just people who are like really hurtful towards people that aren't affecting them in any way, right? They're yeah. going out of their way to attack. And it's like, just fuck off and do some research and be better. But it's like, they, I always think like how exhausting it must yeah. be to be that person. And there's a line like that where that, I think Henry Fonda said to Lee Cobb and he's just like, you know, it's not when you're talking about, you want to be the executioner? It's like how exhausting it must yeah. be yeah, 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 yeah. to you know, want to kill a man over your, you know, own personal 
beef or whatever. That's not the line. It's something like that. Like yeah. And, uh, how exhausting it must yeah. be to want to be the executioner all the time. Yeah. And I think that really applies to yeah, yeah, trolls yeah, on yeah. the internet. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. just, I, I thought that line was very, very relevant now. Yeah. It's just like, like how, how sad little that sad must and be. Boring and how life like, must be. How, soci- how like sociopathic it can, sociopathic it can be. And like how much like mental gymnastics you have to do to constantly justify your own position. And it just reeks of insecurity, man. Like just, be cool. Just relax. Like who gives yeah. a fuck, man? Like, yeah. why do you want to, why do you want to live in this world? Surely. Why do you want to live in this world? that is so hateful and so unwelcoming and like, God, it's just, you only get one fucking life. And it just seems like people want to spend it bitching on the internet. Yeah. Well, I haven't Sorry. even, no, it's all good. I haven't even edited that signs episode and we, we did talk shit about, you know, Mel Gibson's bullshit, but I did see him like post a video of him telling people to go out to watch that new, like, um, no, that that fucking sound of freedom. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody came in asking me about it. No, we're not showing it. Fuck off. (laughs) No, we're not showing it, but he just kept, he he talked at length about to me about it, about this fundraiser and all the, this weird scheme they had where you paid, but you didn't get a ticket. Somebody else got a ticket. And I was like, this seemed a bit dodgy. And I was like, Oh, I've got the guy from passion of the Christ. And I was like, in my head, I'm like turning this off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, um, yeah, I was just out nice. And then we went out separate. And then I saw an article on Vox about it. And I'm like, oh, this is like a fucking QAnon movie. Yeah, it's just okay. a QAnon, like, red, okay, red I pill see. Movie, but it's doing yeah. really well. And people, and I. Yeah, because conservatives I, I, people, in America are fucking stupid. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, oh, well, Hollywood take the, you know, all the producers, like, Hollywood needs to learn from us. You know, we're making movies for a crowd that's underrepresented. Maybe yeah. they shouldn't be represented. You know what I'm saying? Like I had that time. Yeah. This is, it's funny. Cause we're going like way off. Sorry, topic here, way but, off. Uh, yeah. It's like, I don't know there. I'm not saying that trafficking isn't a problem. Of course it's a problem. No, of course not. Make a but movie like, about trafficking, but it but feels like that's not what they're, yeah, yeah, they're you know they're, what I'm saying? They're using it as a way to like attack and, you know, condemn like minority groups and stuff. If it's exactly. not like the the old the old like boogeyman for a lot of these people, especially here in the UK, where you're you know people who are coming from you know Migrants. like yeah yeah your migrants refugees. who are coming from like refugees and shit coming from like you know Migrants, somewhere right. in yeah. you know the Middle East or something, and they were using yeah. it as a term to say oh Asian grooming gangs, and then like you know yeah, now oh my God man now it's uh, transgender people or groomers like that's like the all they're doing yeah, now, Jesus and it's just Christ, like dude yeah. like I'm not saying that there isn't child trafficking going on in the world, but like it's not as like fucking, fucking white horrible. and black as it is in your fucking con- like and it's just perverse brain. Like it's this weird Trumpian thing, right? Where it's like, I don't know how fucking good the intentions are of a movie like this, but like to willingly be associated with these kind of conspiracy theory groups, it's the same thing as like, you know, like I, you know, I vote for Trump, but I don't believe in everything he said. And it's just like, but you're supporting a movement that does, yeah, you know, and you're validating all of it, but you know, from like every sort of horrible thing he said, you're validating, even if you don't believe in it, because I get, I understand you're being fucking, you're, you're being fucked by the government in one way or another. And you think this guy on the golden toilet can save you. I get it. I totally get it. He's a fucking great con man, 
but like it's the same thing where it's like yeah it's not that it's greater than that and like again there's space to make a moral stand like i think there's i think something else that has helped this movie age is that we live obviously in an age of misinformation yeah and like how facts have kind of not become non-existent non-important really like they can be spinned and turned and yeah fake news and sort of thing depend on who you're talking to people make their own facts and yeah. there's enough articles and videos to support whatever you believe in yeah the truth. yeah yeah but like yeah. but that is our barometer there are there is such a thing as fact and there is such a thing as truth and like I don't mind that and like that being like a meter to for morality and not saying like we need to live in a rule like a world of like strict rules and stuff but like this is the thing that again it's what get the movie gets to it's like the idea that 12 strangers can be brought together to judge a man they've never met and decide his fate and they have nothing to gain and nothing to lose that's fair mm. you know and that's something to that and then they but they bring so much of their own shit to it and like yeah, you were saying baggage, like people yeah. always saying you know better in my day and people aren't really saying that the times were better in my day because they weren't it was saying but i was younger and full of hope and i miss being that yeah that's, that's exactly what, what it is i want to yeah. be young and relevant i want to be young yeah, yeah i want to be young and dumb not. and full of cum yeah and exactly the older man. i get the more embittered to like how shitty the real world is <laughs> so and the world, and the world is barriers. shitty man i put and my put barriers up yeah, yeah and but same people who try to make it worse and just i don't know yeah yeah oh man this is like not the episode it i was imagining <laughs> yeah sorry i didn't think i really that, don't that, care though that was like, my main point coming yeah, yeah. in i think with like 12 angry man is like really fucking strong because yeah yeah no it's no still it's, it still hits really hard like you know mm. I, I have a little bit of an episode here, but I mean, it kind of doesn't matter. A lot of the stuff we did, <laughs> we've already kind of gone into and talked about. So yeah. it's like, it's fine. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, it does come from a real life jury duty experience uh, where Reginald Rose, who, who wrote the original story, uh, served as a juror for a manslaughter case in 1954. And he noticed that there was like basically, you know, some drama in the situation mm. and he realized that while he was there you know there aren't many at the time especially courtroom dramas like there were few if any and you know especially one that was set after the trial in the jury room so he mm-hmm. was just like wow fuck, here we go so he wrote it as a one-hour teleplay for cbs's studio one anthology series and that would air live on september the 20th 1954 so it originally was a TV thing and it was kind of set to be like a, like a play. Like heat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was like heat originally. It had the same it name. LA takedown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was LA <laughs> takedown on TV. Uh, but like, yeah, it's, it, it's funny cause it, it becomes one of these early courtroom drama films where it kind of actually became a bit more prolific at the time. I mean, like legal dramas in American film have, kind of had an extensive history, like stemming as early as apparently 1908. There was a film called Falsely Accused. Uh, okay. But then, That's yeah. That Leslie Nielsen movie where he carried <laughs> the fugitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then they they uh, basically really start to pop off. Like, you know, you had this film and then Billy Wilder's witness for the prosecution in 1957 mm-hmm. as well. 
uh, Otto Perminger's uh, Anatomy for a Murder in 1959, Richard Flesher's Compulsion in 1959. So, like, they're really, like, just a lot of them just popping off. Yeah, arguably the two biggest ones of the time that stand as the cornerstones of the legal <laughs> dramas were, of course, 12 Angry Men. And the film we'll be talking about next week. So, stick around to the end. We'll reveal what that is. Um, but, yeah, those are the two big dogs. And it was actually Henry Fonda who saw the TV production and he felt that, you know, this would be a great movie. And he was unable to find any producers who would take it on. So, you know, it was kind of like a risky venture because, like, you got to think this is like early days of TV and no one had ever, like, taken, like, you know, something from TV really like this. Like, there's very few. Like, there was one other film, I think, um, around the same time that kind of got adapted. But, yeah, especially it's also the fact that it's like a... A serious film. It's set in a single room and it's like black and white, especially when everything else was like widescreen, you know, big color films. Yeah, cinemascope. Yeah. Yeah. So, Technicolor. He teamed up with Reginald Rose to produce it themselves. And this would be funny because he hated the experience, Henry Fonda. He didn't mind, like, the acting side was fine and he loved it. And he said he's always really proud of the film, but the business side, he really hated having to worry about the financial and logistical details and he couldn't stand watching himself in daily rushes, which producers would have to do, but not necessarily the actors. So yeah, it was basically like the only film that you would ever produce. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. And they recruited Sidney Lumet, who was uh, basically at this time, a television director, pretty prolific at the time. He had gotten his start doing off Broadway productions and then he eventually moved into TV and, yeah, he had done a lot of shit. Like, I think I think I read something like he had done like maybe over 200 like TV episodes or some shit like that. It's like kind of crazy or like, you mm. know, little teleplays, this, that or the other. And uh, yeah, this was his debut feature. So it's interesting. We would see like his debut feature and then like one that's a little bit later, 20 years later um, to kick off the breaking the law arc. Um, but two widely different films. Um, and yeah, like we get into the cast and stuff. Obviously, we we were kind of talking about it a little bit. We can kind of talk about th- their little quirks and stuff. But like, you only have two people who are ever named in the film, and that's mm, uh, right Henry Henry Fonda is juror number eight, who's later revealed to be Mister Davis. Obviously, he's the uh, humane justice-seeking architect. Wouldn't it be great if he was just like, "Hi, I'm Henry Fonda." <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, just like, "I'm, I'm, just, Fonda. Tim, I'm, I'm just the myself. actor, Henry Fonda." Yeah. I feel like he like he, he must Why have really not? liked that it because totally worked. he's very like Henry Fonda was very like you know like a reasonable guy I think and it's, it passed on to his daughter as well like Jane Fonda's like you know a really passionate Democrat and stuff and yeah yeah so they were both like big Democratic you know uh, party members and uh, yeah like it's weird actually just speaking to Jane Fonda like when I was watching this because like. I know Henry Fonda, but I just haven't seen a lot of his films. Like he's of an era that like, Mm, I, you know, just haven't watched all of his, his movies. I've probably seen him in one or two things here or there, but like watching him. And then like, I've seen a lot of Jane Fonda and it's just like, man, she looks so much like him. She talks like him. She has the cadence of him. It's really weird to see. It's like, Oh shit. That's like totally. Yeah. I can see that. That's father daughter there. It's strange, but uh, yeah, he's great. He's like, he's the one who's, you know, the centerpiece. That's the one that's going to, you know, initially question the evidence and the only one to vote not guilty of the 12 men 
because the other 11 initially vote guilty and Mm -hmm. he has to change their opinion. I love that as just a simple through line that they just, they periodically keep voting and the numbers keep changing. Yeah, That's yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. It's like 11 to 1, and then it's like 9 to 3, and then it's like <laughs> 6 to 6, and it's like, fuck. And it's like, it's just this great game of him like winning everybody over yeah. bit by bit through like different things. Like they talk about the knife, they talk about the apartment, they talk about the fucking. The, the yelling, the movie, yeah. you know, and like the witnesses, the fucking, yeah. the, the fucking that yeah. shot where the guy who never sweats finally like sweats. Fucking Prince and Andrew. Fain, dude. <laughs> yes. Could he go quick land from over? Whatever the fuck. Because of that, I'm going to have to call a snack time. <laughs> There's something about that look you gave to me. I know you only need one thing. It's snack time. Okay, you're going to hate my snack. (laughs) There was not much to go on. Can I go first? Yeah, go ahead. There was not... Guess what? It's not like they stop and have dinner, which I was waiting for. I was like, oh, that would be sick. Tell me they get like Chinese food or some shit. You know, that's the one thing that's missing. They get like beer and Chinese food. But they don't. But there's a running thing with the guy, you know, juror number nine, ten, the fucking old racist guy. Yeah. You know, he's like, whoa, whoa, coughing the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I know and the are. guy keeps asking, like, anyone want a cough drop? Hey, you got any more cough drops? They were all gone. They're all gone. <laughs> They're all gone. <laughs> They're all gone. So I have uh, strepsil. <laughs> Man, this is my kind of shit. This is my yeah. kind of shit. Man, fucking medication. You know- Yes, boy. Remember when we did pills on Akira? This is the same. <laughs> About to get depressed. Um, yes, I can't wait to be depressed. I'm not even feeling that ill. So, I'm yeah. right. okay, so I've got it. I don't have the box anymore, um, but I've got it up on Google so I can read you the ingredients. Strepsil, honey and lemon, mm-hmm. ovi, lozenges. The only one. You know. The only one. Okay, I'm going to butcher this. It's got two, four, dike. Chlorobenzyl alcohol mm-hmm. and al amyl metacrestol. Yes, amyl metacrestol. I got it. It's medicine, right? And there's alcohol in it. So, woo, fucking hit it. It's, you know, it's Friday night on the podcast. But here we go. Here we go. <laughs> These are quite old. I found them in my backpack. <laughs> I'm really trying to make... Can you hear it? Yeah. I'm just going to be sucking on a cough drop. How's it taste? How's it taste? I mean, like I hate... Medicine. Yeah, like medicine. I hate, you know, it's like... It's, I hate lemon as a flavor in general because it's like it makes me feel like I'm sick. Because you only have it when you're sick, right? Yeah, you have yeah, it. yeah. You have strep's and you have lemon sip and shit. You would never <laughs> yeah, have it. I don't like lemonade. Just... Yeah. <laughs> um... Bottom line strips, don't they do help? 
Yeah. Like when I have a sore throat, I'm just like constantly knocking them back. Um, <laughs> right now, it's just an unpleasant treat, though. Yeah, an unpleasant snack, and I'm not ill. And this is—it's not a pleasant taste. Mm-hmm. It's not relieving anything. So it's just more of a burden, if anything. Yeah. Well, how many? Uh, how many? <laughs> how many like back and forth <laughs> are you having? Like, how many times are you gonna jump? From not guilty to guilty. The guilty? Yeah. Um, fucking out like a. I mean, at the snack, it's a one, right? Like <laughs> it's, just, it's shit. Just one, one you good. Know, just one time. Yeah. One cool. time. I think just all he would yeah. have to say is like, I'd be like guilty, and he's like, Are you sure? Are you sure enough to like send this kid to die? And I'd be like, Actually, nah, I'm not. Yeah, guilty. that's too much pressure, man. I, that's the thing. But, I don't really like death penalty. Cause like, no, exactly. It's kind of fucked no, up. Like anyone having the ability, the consequence to like, at the time, like to tell someone, like, oh yeah, nobody should have that power. Like, yeah, that's too much. Yeah. Like, you know, that uh, like anyone passing any sort of judgment on anyone, and like I know everybody does it. I do it. Everybody like does it in their daily life. You see someone, and you like, you know, something about them is different or whatever, and you have like a thought in your head, and you pass judgment. Sure. Like it. Like the root of me wants to stop and be a better person about everything, you know, all the time. Mm. I'm always hoping to get better in <laughs> that. And that's sort of like the, uh, the problem that I feel like a lot of people don't want to, or they're so stuck in their ways. They're so sure mm. themselves. They're afraid. They're so I don't know sure. <laughs> yeah. It's mm. crazy. Like, I don't know. Like they're afraid of, fucking the devil i don't know which is it's just mm. fucking bullshit um but like <laughs> but like it, you know it's it's crazy because they're so sure of themselves they're so fucking sure uh but whatever who cares man? what did you what do you got for snack you know what Phil? tell me what is, you how how did you what did you get out of this don't tell uh, me it's gum no no no, 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 no gum i've had this in my cupboard for ages and i've been like ho- like holding on to it like I got it initially because it looked funny and the name was really funny. And I was just like, oh, this is great. Like this would definitely be great for a snack time. And then like as soon as we did this, uh, like I convinced you, hey, let's do this uh, breaking the law season. And I was like, well, it's yeah. going to have to sit and save it for that. I got to save it for that because the name is perfect for it. And then I was just like waiting for the perfect film for it. And they do drop the name of this bar in the film. The, the, the word gets dropped. Um, and it's a very important uh, piece to any courtroom film. So we may as well kick it off for the very first one. One thing, if you're under trial, that you need, and you need it to be airtight. And the kid in this film did not have it airtight, is yes. an alibi. No way! Alibi awesome. Max. Max, so, you got your alibi down to I the max. I got my alibi to the max. So yeah, this is a um, I I filmed it in Asda, and like, I think I guess it's like a like Middle Eastern style like candy bar. Um, I'm not Perfect entirely name. sure where it is from. Although no, it's made in Poland. It's a Poland Polish snack. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of like uh, Arabic writing on it, so that's mm. why I was sort of thinking it was like. And also, I live in a very large uh, Lebanese area, so I just figured mm. there's there's always like wild like snacks i've never seen before in that asda <laughs> so like yeah is that, so i found this and uh yeah i mean it's kind of cool it's got some cool like you know 
Never, I've never heard of it before. What, it did it say like what flavor it is? None crispy it? bar with coconuts. I figured it looked caramel. like a coconut. It looks like a bounty. Yeah, it does look like a bounty. And uh, and caramel and milk chocolate. So we'll see. It smells sort of chocolate coconut. So mm-hmm. let's go for it. Consistency is great. <laughs> yes. I really it's like soft. it's a crispy. A it? crispy. It's crispy, yeah. Crispy. No. I really like a crispy candy bar. You know what? It kind of like I've never had a I don't know if I've had a bounty. I don't um, like bounty. I don't really like coconut, like mint or lemon. Yeah. You know, like on with in terms of like snacks. Yeah, I don't mind co like I don't like coconut alone. I don't mind it in things. I don't mm. like the consistency of coconut. Sure. So, like, uh, it tastes like paper to me, like shredded paper. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this huh? is uh, this is like, yeah, it's interesting. So I n- I've never had a bounty bar, I don't think. So I don't know if it's, you know, like crispy inside, like layered, like because this is strange. I'm trying to think of what it reminds me of because it like it tastes like a the way I would imagine a bounty bar would taste. You know, maybe I have how bouncy because it's like they have a similar bar in America. It's kind of the exact same thing, but it has that flavor. It's like a chocolatey coconut thing, but then it's like waffle inside, like uh, <laughs> waffle. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's it's good though. How many um, how many hung juries are you giving it? Because <laughs> I like I like that term, and they kept saying it. Yeah, it's a hung jury. Well, we should act. We should find out. Can we make it a hung jury? Yeah. The judge will never accept a hung jury. Everybody talks like that in the fifteenth grade. I would, uh, you know, what? I would say maybe four. It's a solid four. four. Wow. Yeah, yeah, solid it's a solid four. four. It's a we good, had it's actually snacks. a good candy bar. It's not bad. Mm. Not mm. bad. Mine not lasts bad. longer though. When you're done <laughs> with the bar, I'll be still stuck in on the cuff drop. So take that. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked about Henry Fonda. He's he's classic. He's great in this. Um, the other juror that's named is Joseph Sweeney. He's uh, number nine. The old man, Mister McArdle. The old man. The the fucking close ups on the old man are insane. Yeah, he looks when insane. he like. Yeah, he looks crazy, dude. Yeah, when they the camera's like right up in his face and he like delivers some weird stage advice, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice. It's nice contrast because the other two annoy like the most annoying or the most like stubborn jurors are kind of on the older side. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's nice to have like a kind of kindly old man who's like, who's learnt, actually learnt more from, you know, like his experience has taken the up the opposite way to be more open and more forgiving and more, you know, accepting. And the others have had yeah. the opposite experience. And I just, not, I like that contrast. Yeah, and he's the one who brings up like this stuff about being really observant of people, like the witnesses and stuff and their behaviors and stuff. Which Does he really, figure out the glasses? Yeah, yeah. Who figured, which yeah. which turns so cool. people's opinions around. And it's interesting. I think one of the more interesting things that he says in the film is that like he brings up the old man who has the limp and stuff who says that he saw the kid. As he he went and opened his door, he saw him like running down mm. the stairs. There's that interesting sort of thing where he says, "I know this man. He's looking for yeah. attention." Oh, that he's, monologue, dude! Like you know, he's like, "Oh, I'm, you know, been looked over my entire life, and this is like my moment, you know, to have exactly. to mean something." And he's not, 
And he's not intentionally lying, but you know, he's subconsciously putting two and two together yeah. and he's finally being listened to and quoted. And, yeah. you know, what a sad thing it must be to be 75 years old and nothing. And the, like, God, the way I read that was line. like, that was him. Like he, yeah. he saw yeah, himself, like, cause the whole time they're speaking over him and, you know, you have the one guy who's just like, who defends him. Yeah. He's just like, Hey, I'll, I won't take you anymore. You're talking about an old man. <laughs> yeah. You, you shot some yeah. respect. I'll lay you out. Yeah. <laughs> you got the fucking boxes like this, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, got classic. the fist to cuff up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we get the other jurors. Most of them are actually only identified by like what their job is, which is kind of funny. So you had the foreman juror number one played by Martin Bassam. He's a high school football coach. He's very interesting oh, like because him. he like, I really like him. He's the only one that never gives his opinion of why he's he's chosen. No, one but way he does turn at the end. Yeah. yeah. But he never gives the end, he never the gives you any any read. He never mm. like he goes around and he lets everybody say why they say that they think he's guilty. And mm. then he never like says himself. And then he goes around like they go around and they start to like question, you know, why he's not guilty, and he never says no anything it's interesting he's just trying to keep the whole thing from yeah imploding. he's like yeah he's like leading the jury we get juror number two is john uh fiddler who plays the bank teller the meek the meek bank teller who has oh yeah drops. that guy's great yeah well it just makes thing. sense to me you know <laughs> should everything <laughs> like that well i don't yeah. know he made a good point <laughs> i saw that picture <laughs> cartoon character voice yeah love it Love it. Uh, right. Juror number three is uh, Lee J. Cobb, so the the last holdout, the hot tempered. Great. Uh, Pizza shit. He's yeah. so great. You, you kind of just get that he's like, he owns a courier business. That's all you kind of get from him at first. And he's really passionate about like the guilty verdict, and you don't really know why. Mm. And then it turns out at the very end, it's because he's just like, Angry at annoyed at his own son. <laughs> I love that dude, and I love the way Henry Fonda entitled him through the movie, like kind of baked him and gets him really angry and to prove his point. Yeah, the point where like Lee Cobb is like threatened to kill him. Yeah, and that's something they're arguing that you would say that without meaning it, and he stops him. He's like, "But you don't actually think you're going to kill me, are you?" And it just just yeah, shut yeah, him the fuck up. It's so great. Much, yeah. It's great. It's a move. I love when movies sort of like put you through that roller coaster of like hating to you know you don't love the character at any point but like you go through periods of understanding and understanding them in different ways you know he's not just a black and white character he's very gray and he's he's the last holdout so yeah. it takes the longest but the that's just such a nice way of ending it like he had that big breakdown at the end and then he just finally said not guilty and then they all yeah. put on their cl- they like they knock on the door and like we're ready, and they put on their coats and they leave, and it just no no more need to be said after that. Yeah, and I, I just it doesn't I, matter. You're I, not going to see him anymore again. You know, it's like yeah, but hopefully he'd come to some sort of catharsis. You know, yeah. like I like that. I really like that. Call yeah. your son, bro. Like this is yeah, the this son. is the problem. This, this is the home alone. This is workaholic uh, dad. You know, <laughs> no, this is the problem. This is uh it, the, again not to just continue to harp back on um you know our derailment that we had a minute ago but like you know all these not to get political <laughs> all these people today who are uh really you know so for the calls this uh QAnon calls <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of them are just like you know upset because their kids won't talk to them anymore because you know they yeah either a voted for trump or went down the QAnon rabbit hole in the first place and you know now they're only yeah 
their only hope is that, you know, JFK Jr. is going to come back to life and uh, become the president with Trump, you know, like, so. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Restore the democracy. Um, juror number four is E.G. Marshall. He plays the stockbroker who doesn't sweat. Uh, yeah, he's pretty he's good. He's, he's like he, really, he's really good. I feel like he's the guy watching the movie trying to pick apart all the plot holes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where he's like, no, because of this. All right, that's fine. But what about this? And he's like the lot. He's the one they have to like convince like logically and rationally. Yeah. He's like the only one who's not emotional. Yeah. He's the only one that's making uh, sense. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. Like I, I can deal with like people like, you know, if you keep your stupid like emotions comments out of your it, pockets. Like, like you're, yeah. Yeah. God, your comments in your pockets. Uh, But yeah, you're keeping these like, bias opinions out like you know mm. like just thinking of things logically you know but yeah. then again i do defend like a lot of these guys who are being completely you know rational like there's some irrational people in here Legi cops character and ed bagley's character are really irrational. yeah yeah, yeah um, everybody else is trying everybody who's just trying to think of it based on the fucking, what they heard what they heard in the case that was presented to them have every yeah. right to say that this kid was guilty because like like i said at the beginning you know what you know uh henry fonda's character does isn't really legal <laughs> yeah no it's not and also and it you're comes arguing- to a certain degree of like there are there is a bit of bullying on both sides as well so it's like there is, it's that thing as well of like well, she could be wrong. And like, why anybody fucking could be wrong? What, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. like, no, you're just not going to believe anybody. But like, I like the point he brings up that the case that was presented to you, it, you know, it's presented by a prosecutor who's trying to win a case. Yeah. And so they can lie, they can manipulate, they can leave things out and they can persuade you in those ways. And maybe the defense, maybe this kid didn't have a good enough lawyer yeah. to defend him and deliver their best possible case and i like that idea the, the, as well i think the that's genius quite rational. thing about this film is that you actually don't know <laughs> like in the, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it exactly. doesn't matter like that is the most matter, genius yeah. thing like you yeah, yeah it's never even fucking answered did he kill his father or his did dad. he not like was it yeah. somebody else was it a setup was it like just a coincidence or whatever because of mm. the whole knife thing and blah 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 did the like, knife fall out of his yeah, pocket you know like, we'll never know it, it's crazy like because if you kind of think about like that as a thing, it's sort of like, well, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like his his alibi um, no. doesn't really make sense. Like no, none I of this d- adds up. Like no, but I do love the argument of like you know he couldn't remember the picture he saw or was in it, and I like him using that against yeah. the stockbroker. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, obviously, and like under emotional distress, you're not going to fucking remember what yeah. movie you saw. Yeah, you know? yeah. See, and that's the thing. Those are like, those are, I was, you know, I don't know if I've ever said this before on the podcast, but I had to be in a jury before. I think I did. No this. way. No, I, I don't remember know. this. Um, yeah, I, I got called to jury. So jury. you were one of the 12 angry men. Yeah, I was. This was about <laughs> me and my life. You were like, um, not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, funny enough. Was like, it here or in the US? It was in America. US. Um, yeah. It, funny enough, was one of the, the holdouts, uh, and I was in a group of largely like some weird older people in my hometown that mm. were like felt like they were letting you know 
race play into a little bit, which was weird. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was like, you know, kind of one of the dissenting people who were like trying to convince the, like the people that it was a bit weird. And you do find yourself in this situation where you do like, you will like bring up, you know, your own personal beliefs to things. And it's, mm, it's strange definitely. and you can, it's hard to like push it out. So you do have to try to think about the term of reasonable doubt and using yeah. that as like, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. And the, the, the case was like a woman whose son had gotten into trouble. He, it wasn't about him. It was her because she raised the kid. Basically it wasn't actually her kid. It was like her nephew or something, but she raised the kid like it was her own, but legally she wasn't considered the kid's mother. So sure. and also didn't have, uh, I guess she didn't have like uh, legal guardianship it. over him. Okay. Yeah. So she basically was told by the police when she showed up to go like see what was going on. Cause she got a call that he had been arrested or something. She went to the scene and um, she was trying to like speak to him and they like were trying to take her away and say, no, you can't speak to him. And she was like, but he's like my kid. And they were like, well, you're not like his legal guardian. So legal guardian. Oh, and she was okay. kind of refusing and uh, it led to them trying to arrest her for obstruction of justice. And then while they oh. were arresting her for whatever reason, they tased her and no. she kicked the police officer as an involuntary reaction to being tased. Uh, which and then she got busted they, for got, assault. Yeah, busted for assault. So fuck that, um, bro. <laughs> so like we had two charges basically. It was assault and then uh, obstruction of justice. So we we all to. like kind of <laughs> threw out the assault thing. It was like, come on, man. Like she was yeah, yeah, yeah. by all all accounts of the evidence that was laid out. It was like it seemed like it was an accidental response. You're not in control tased. when you're being yeah. tamed. Yeah. Yeah, because she didn't seem like she was. She you know it's that usual like kind of like you know probably just like fighting to not be arrested thing, but mm. like the kicking the police officer thing. And then it was like, you know, it kind of came down to the the whole thing. It was like, dude, this is like her kid. And <laughs> we basically, I was just like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, like she's not legally his, his guardian, but like she raised the kid and like, I feel like she yeah, has talking the about right. technicality. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing. She has the right to be there. I feel like, and you know, it was that whole thing where it's just trying to like, you know, and in the end, we acquitted her, which was cool. It was great. Justice. But uh, yeah, it was weird. It was a weird situation because I was young, too. I was like 18 or 19, and I was really young, and I was just like, this is fucking strange. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it was a weird si situation. If you had seen this movie, yeah, you would have just been the whole time been like, guys, this is like 12 Angry Men. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen 12 Angry Men? Should we do that thing? Should we like walk? A, should we like... You know, measure 12 around. feet. Yeah. 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 Should we just walk around? I'll do the limp. Do you want to recreate it? He's like, hey, I got yeah, this taser yeah, here. Like I, <laughs> yeah. Can we do the taser, please? <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're like, yeah, you're like, okay, now tase me. And I'll, you know, if I kick. <laughs> if I kick. If I kick. If you. I, yeah. It's involuntary, you know? <laughs> now pretend that I am your mother. Okay, like, yeah, but I'm not exactly. really your mother. Like, I'm yeah. not really your mother. So it should be really easy. <laughs> but I've raised you. <laughs> yeah. It's a gray um, area. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was just in a That's roundabout hilarious. way saying that it's 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 a weird situation to be in a jur jury. And like, I bet, yeah. To like, you do find yourself bringing up your own personal opinions of things and like find yourself judging the way people are judging people 
you know, like, mm. cause it's a weird, mm-hmm. you're sitting in this weird room with people you don't know. And they're all from all different walks of life. And you know, and this is like a more, in my opinion, cause I feel like everything is, I'm doing the thing that, uh, <laughs> I'm doing the thing that I was talking about earlier, but from my own f- fucking point of view, which I don't know if it actually helps anything, but like the whole thing, well, back in my day, it was better. Mm. But I was about to say like, cause I feel like things are fucking crazier than they've ever been now. <laughs> yeah. But I don't and everybody's know. Everybody's mad I all think, the time. I think every, <laughs> I think it's always been crazy. Humans are always fucking stupid and we yeah, all think, think we know better. And like, I'm not saying that I know any better. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I live my life and I try to live my life by the, the, the dude, you know, his mantra, mm. you know, and what John Goodman says to the dude, fuck it, dude, let's go bowling. Cause like, that's it. We right? should go bowling. We should go bowling. Yeah. It'd we be should fun. go bowling. We've not we done should. that. We're not, I love yeah, bowling. I great. fuck a bowling, but I love it. I remember last time we did a work outing, you know, bowling. I like, had, Oh yeah, we did do that. I had like a God game. And I was just you like, did. You blow, I was just like yeah. beating the shit out of everybody. You've blocked everybody away. I had like yeah, 130 or 40 points or something like that. Yeah. I was like, God damn. It's like, it was one of my good games. Like, yeah. I know that's not like great, you know, if you're a good bowler out there, but you know. But if you never bowl, yeah. it's pretty good. <laughs> and compared to everybody else who would get like yeah. 40, 50 games, <laughs> it was like not, not worth it. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were uh, just talking about, like, you know, just fucking chill out. Just smoke a doobie, you know? Like, just chill the fuck out. Stop worrying about everybody else, man. It doesn't matter, man. We're all fucking, like, we're all fucking racing to death, you know? Exactly. We're all on the slow march towards death. So let's have fun while we're at it. Let's be nice to everybody while we're at it. Let's watch 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Get angry. (laughs) No, no. Stop getting angry. Get sweaty. How can we, like, stop people from being so angry all the time? Don't listen to this podcast because you're probably going to get angry. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get helping. angry at us for like, I don't know. The, like my, in my head, the imaginary like uh, right wing person that listens to this, that's going to get so riled up by the shit we've said. Yeah. But like yeah. up till now, no one's ever said anything negative about our opinions that have always been basically what we've laid out in this episode. Yeah, and if they do, they can just listen to breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah, breadcrumbs does, you know, go on the other more side. More the other side. It's more yeah. the other side. But it's a joke. It's a joke. It's, it's a joke. Not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's next? round up the rest of this cast. We've got uh, Jack Klugman plays uh, the, I mean, basically you only know him as he's a Baltimore Orioles fan. And he's the one that grew up in the slums, so he's kind of sensitive mm. towards like this bigotry yeah. that's being thrown around. I he's wanted really more from him. Well. Yeah, you just, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. It's like there's like, oh man, we could squeeze a little bit more on that lemon. Mm. Um, the guy who kind of just gets enough, he's the house painter, the guy Edward Benz, who plays juror number six. He's the one that doesn't want to take no shit. I mean, because you can't have all these guys. I mean, it's almost like too many fucking people, 12 fucking people. You can't have them all being <laughs> interesting. Um, But yeah, no, fucking juror number seven, Jack Warden. Mr. Baseball. (sighs) Mr. Baseball. (laughs) We have a Mr. Baseball in 12 Angry Men. I've just been waiting to say that. While I was watching, I was like, oh shit, we've got a Mr. Baseball. That's all this guy cares about. Is this Yankees game? 
He's yeah. serving so much like Albert Brooks energy right here. It's crazy. Yes, dude. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like speaking of like Mr. Baseball, like Albert Brooks being in like, you know, um, what is it? The scout. Uh, yeah, dude. Like he reminds me of like a young Albert Brooks. It's crazy. And I, mm-hmm. I know Jack Warden, but I know old Jack Warden. So it was yeah. weird seeing him in this because I don't think I looked to, like I wasn't really paying attention to the cast. I think I saw Jack Warden, but I wasn't really thinking about it. And then when I saw his face, I was like, wow, he looks like familiar. And then he spoke and he's got the same fucking voice <laughs> that he's had like his entire life, maybe like just a little bit more like gravelly towards his elder years. But like it sounds exactly the same. And I was just like, oh, Jack Warden, that's like the grandpa from Problem Child and like, <laughs> you know, the dad from Dirty Work. Like, you know, yeah. it's fucking yes. Like, so I know him from that shit. So to see him like in a really young girl is really funny. Yeah, he's he's great. He's he's like the I mean, he's a piece of shit, but he's like he's the most one of the most realistic fucking people in this. He just wants to get the fuck out get of the there, fuck man. out of there. And, and he, he, I, I kind of can't he, blame the, him for that. <laughs> yeah, and he but he's kind of the same as Jura number one, right? You don't ever he doesn't you don't, he doesn't really get an opinion out of him either. He just sort of flips. Yeah, and the guy kind of the the uh, the foreign guy kind of called him out on it. Yeah, um, and he doesn't really get an answer. Yeah, I mean, he seems like at the beginning he's leaning a little bit more towards like being a bit of a bigot, you know. Um, mm. But yeah, he it's cl- like slowly revealed that it's sort of like he'll flip his allegiance to who- whoever has the favorable number and gets him closer to getting out of there. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is interesting. But yeah, whatever. It's a numbers he's, game. He's not guilty. He's, he's, he's a sports guy. Yeah. He's a sports guy. Yeah. He'll do anything to win. I believe in God, the Yankees, and I don't know who, who like Me. I guess the Mick. I believe in the Mick. You know, Mick. Mickey Mantle. <laughs> Mickey Mantle, yeah. he's 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 here, gonna win Joe, us a, a pennant, and I need to get out of here so I can see it. Joe DiMaggio, <laughs> yeah, jumping Joe. I believe in that <laughs> that fucking uh, hitting streak. Heinz fifty seven. That's an interesting thing. Like so, Joe DiMaggio, it's a he has the record for the most uh, like consecutive games of getting a base hit, which is uh, fifty six consecutive games of hitting safely which is like really fucking hard to do six games in a row where he got a base hit and made it to first base at least first base yeah like no one's ever going to break that record it's insane and uh he basically had the reps from Heinz at the game and they were like literally going to give him <laughs> I'm going to say Heinz millions, millions and millions and millions I think like to be the spokesman for Heinz, like, you know, they were going to, he was going to be made. I mean, he was fine. He's a fucking baseball player, fucking married to Marilyn Monroe for a bit. You know, he had a good life. Um, Jumping yeah. Joe. Well, actually, I don't know. It's probably pretty depressing because, you know, the whole Maryland thing, but he was going to be made 57. He just got to 57 and he, <laughs> he didn't do it. It's oh, come do it. on. Stopped at 56. Hi, I mean Shit. to be honest, Heinz should have changed. What I don't know if if it's like fifty seven ingredients in their tomato ketchup or whatever, but take one of them out. It's fine, you know. Like just take it's them fine. out. Just oh, change no, it to Heinz fifty six. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Ed Bagley plays the loudmouth garage owner, who's the worst of the bigots. Who, mm. yeah, juror number ten. Uh, yeah, Ed Bagley Junior.'s dad. That's like. 
interesting because you see Ed Begley Jr. in a lot of shit these days. But yeah, his old pop. Um, <coughs> Juror 11, George Vasovic. He plays the watchmaker, the European watchmaker who like, you know, supports the democratic process. The, yeah. The voice of reason, really. And juror number 12 is uh, the hot boy, Robert Web- Weber, <laughs> who plays the- The hot boy, the, the fucking madman. Uh, he literally like yeah, a yeah. guy from Mad Men. He's yeah. a mad guy like talk- drawing a fucking right pop and he's trying to sell people on shit. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's he's good. He's good. Uh, yeah, so it turns out Joseph Sweeney and George Vosovic actually were like in the television version. And they're like the only people who would reprise a role for the actual film. Oh, okay. Yeah, and- because Sidney Lumet had been like trained in theater, like, you know, he was an actor first and then he became a director. He like brought all that, that to like being a director of live television dramas. And then he tapped into that to direct, you know, 12 angry men. He basically wanted to use as many of those like techniques as possible. And that included an intense rehearsal process. So he kept the entire cast cooped up in a rehearsal space every day, all day for two weeks you know, both to help them learn the script backwards and forwards. So this is like, you're going by the script. This isn't dog day afternoon, letting you fucking Mm -hmm. go off script. You're going by the script. And it was also to give them a sense of what it would really be like to be stuck in a room in a jury, like, you know, on jury duty to be cooped up with all these fucking people. Mm -hmm. And when it came time to shoot, they basically only had like 20 days. Like he just, he shot it really fucking fast. And apparently he shot it, he shot it in 19, which kind of like, it turned out to be like uh, something he'd be known for is just being really efficient. Like one of these directors that gets the fucking job done. And I think that's another reason why he was really respected, not only because of his technical abilities of, you know, delivering the craft. He was just really fast at it too. Mm. Um, And yeah, I guess like, you know, one of those problems with it being set entirely like in one room that it would get fucking boring. So like that's, you know, why they decided to use a lot of those like interesting camera moves and stuff like that. So it would be a lot of this like moving around and you were already talking about like, you know, filming up above everyone at first and then being at eye level and then fucking right towards the end. It's like really claustrophobic. Uh, I think he did like a lot of long shots. Like I think they're, I read it like it could have been like 20 minutes of like sort of an uninterrupted take or something at one point. Cause they're reading it like it's a play in a way. And he did a lot of these things where he did a lot of edits really close to the end, but a lot of the, the beginning of the film, there weren't a lot of cuts and a lot of edits and stuff. Cause he just kind of mm. let these, these bits breathe. But as soon as it got, closer to the end and he's using these tighter shots, you know, with the telephoto lenses and stuff, increasing, you know, the sense of claustrophobia. That's where he starts doing a lot more cuts and a lot more edits, which just make it like a lot more tense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it's great. He directed the hell out of this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, it's one of those few that like feels like a, stage play yeah but like doesn't feel like oh they just like you know like you watch the whale and it feels like a play yeah yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't really make use of it uh the filmic like capability like mm-hmm. the your cinema technique to like, till the end um to really expand it during motion you can arguably doesn't need to whatever yeah but this one i feel like doesn't really go like use the camera and sound and production design 
all in very, very interesting way to emphasize and think more impactful, impactful in a way that only a film version of it could be. I would love to see this be done on stage though. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in no yeah. intermission as well. Like all the way through hour and a half, like or two hours straight and you're stuck. You turn the AC off. Like you just, you, I think it'd be great. One wow. set, you know, like you don't have to do anything. It'd be so easy. And I think it'd be really good. Well, next week, uh, when we get into next week's film, um, I was recently saw that on stage in London. So another hint. Oh, Jaws. <laughs> yeah, I thought so I can, too. we could talk about it. I can, I can uh, get into that. So yeah. Nice. Well, uh, the film was shot in New York. It was completed, like I said, really short. You know, it was a crazy rehearsal schedule, but you know, it was shot done the whole process in less than three weeks on a budget of $337,000. Reginald Rose and Henry Fonda took salary deferrals. So unfortunately they wouldn't make any money on the back end because the film was (laughs) released in April, 1957. And despite it receiving critical acclaim, it did not do too well at the box office. According to his autobiography, uh, Henry Fonda was disappointed with United Artists' distribution strategy and felt that the studio's approach had deprived the film the chance of financial success. In particular, Fonda noted that United Artists placed placed it in theaters that were too large for a small film to fill, in addition did not re-release it after it won numerous awards. Lamette and Fonda wanted 12 Angry Men to follow like a pattern set by which I was trying to remember the name of earlier when I said there was another film that was a TV to movie adaptation. It was called Marty around the same time. And it started in a small theater in New York and then it expanded as the, you know, reviews and word of mouth dictated. But United Artists thrilled with the quality of the film they got. They got really overzealous. They were like, oh, there's 12 Angry Men. It's great, you know? <laughs> and uh, they basically threw it into a 4,000 seat Capitol Theater, uh, which was only basically filling up the first few rows and it caused United Artists panic and then they pulled it. And Variety oh. reported the following year the 12 Angry Men had grossed around $1 million and that was enough to recoup its you know production budget and advertising costs, but there wasn't much else left. So mm. the film, you know, it wouldn't really gain like its notoriety until several years later and that was through it being shown on television. But in spite of this, Henry Fonda did, you know, say that it's one of his best films of his career and he called it magnificent. And I think he like told Sidney Lumet that, you know, this is magnificent. And, you know, although it didn't perform too well, it still remains one of the like most successful films of all time from critics and from an audience point of Mm -hmm. view. And the uh, film went on to be nominated for three Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best uh, director and best adapted screenplay. Unfortunately, didn't win any of those awards, but Henry Fonda did win a BAFTA for best nice foreign actor. I love that. I oh, love like back funny. in the day, it was like British people were American like, oh, from America, the fucking foreigners. Give it back. <laughs> we want it back. <laughs> but over the years, it has been uh, remade numerous times, uh, most notably with William Freakin, of all people. He directed the updated 1997 version of the film that was uh, on TV oh. with Jack Lemmon in the Henry Fonda role and George C. Scott playing the hothead holdout. Oh, it's, shit. That might be good. It's got a really crazy cast, to be honest. Like You get Courtney B. Vance, Ossie Davis, George C. Scott. I'm just going to name the ones that we fucking know. James Gandolfini's mm. in it. Tony Danza. Oh. 
Jack Lennon. No way. Hume Cronin. Cronin. McKelty Williamson. William <laughs> Peterson. Edward James oh. Almos. It's like nice. fucking. Nice. Yeah. So Wrecking it's uh, cool. and it's directed by William Freakin, which is awesome. So yeah, mm. I don't think I've seen that either. I do kind of remember no, it. Like I slightly remember it just because it was like Jack Lemon. I fucking love Jack Lemon. But I like that it is updated to a point where, you know, it has like, you know, a more diverse cast. I think that's mm. one thing that I could totally understand. Uh, someone from a different background coming to view this and it's just like, oh, well, it's like 12 angry white guys. But <laughs> there is a certain degree of like, one, it's of the time. So that's what it was like then. Not saying mm. that that was right, but that is what it was like. So it was just mm. like fucking 12 white dudes. But it does a really good job of talking about these issues in terms of like, even though it doesn't doesn't really go full barrels like you were saying, maybe they should have made this like kid clearly a minority or something like that mm. to really sell. But they really do like enforce the narrative of like certain people's bigotry and bias towards like certain people other people mm -hmm. or whatever is like what you know uh, enforces their decisions on you know saying that someone's guilty or not guilty it's like they're not they don't yeah. even really care about like the facts of the case it's just like oh well all people from the slums are bad so of course he's yeah, guilty yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I i think it is accessible in that certain degree that it calls out yeah, that it's very bullshit. universal yeah motley written and i think it attracts like it it's easily relatable and I think yeah. it can appeal to a lot of people, even though it's yeah, a bit uh marginalized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I, I did kind of laugh because there was like a woman in the background in the scene where uh Henry Fonda like departs from the older guy and it's like Joseph Sweeney and he's just like when they say each other's name, they're just like, All right, we'll see ya <laughs> you know, which is really funny. Uh, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> and they like it's part really ways. awkward bumbling this, ending. Yeah, yeah, this music's just playing and they're walking out down the courthouse yeah. courthouse steps and there's like one woman walking in the background. I was like, Hey, look, the only woman oh, in the woman. film. <laughs> yeah. Twelve angry men. And one woman in walking in the background. Well like the the thing is like uh this also perfectly depicts how stupid men are. Like if there was a woman in here, it would just be like yeah. she'd be this like the sole, oh, like man. sound reasonable person, unless if she's a Karen. But like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, don't even get me started. I think like I didn't intentionally kind of didn't bring it up because we've already kind of gone off. But there's another layer of this movie, kind of what we talked about with Point Break. I think it'll be a running theme in our Breaking the Law season because you're dealing yeah. with angry men doing violent things, you know, and their reasons for doing that. Um, but then. A lot in here again about men uh, trouble with communicating with each other. Yeah, you know these guys—they keep yeah. getting hot with each other and keep taking offense and keep acting tough and everything's a fight and it doesn't need to be. And that's why you know Henry Fonda stands now as kind of compassionate guy who's sort of just trying to preach like reason and you know and just thinking and like more just appreciation for life here. Um, and you're dealing, that's kind of like a, a big thing to try and communicate. Cause it's like, you know, he's not doing it for anything, just that he believed in something and that's a hard thing. But like, yeah, there's multiple layers of like toxic masculinity going through here and they always, they ground it emotionally in lots of places, which I like. But yeah, that's a whole, I mean, the movie called 12 Angry Men. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it's there, it's in the title. And I think that it says a lot about male relationships and males place in society or where they put themselves, where they see themselves, how they see themselves, what their roles should be. Um, and again, this was, that was very delicate sort of coming out of the war when there's nothing to fight anymore and come home and what yeah. do you do, you know? move to the suburbs and you fucking you own a stupid fucking messaging business that the stockbroker doesn't even want to take your card you know like yeah, it, yeah 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 it's there i think it's that yeah again just it adds to the film adds to the depth of the film if you're looking for it yeah if only they had andrew tate back then you know <laughs> no even that fucking human trafficking movie <laughs> Wasn't that motherfucker done for human trafficking? Like, yeah, I love that. What they, happened with that? Yeah, I love that they uh, they keep talking about human trafficking and stuff, but then like you know, and Tucker Carlson's all like you know, kind of like on their side and stuff about like you know mm. human trafficking and giving them all this fucking shit. But then yeah. he'll have Andrew Tate on like his show and start like, dude, what? What? <laughs> Who gives a shit? Yeah. Fuck these idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but uh, this film's been remade. Uh, you know in other film like other countries as well like you have like a version in germany in 1963 norway in 82 india in 86 japan in 91 russia in 2007 france in 2010 <laughs> all right and china in 2014 and the japanese version actually does a weird scenario where it reverses it where everybody starts out voting not guilty until they're all persuaded to convict <laughs> I don't want to see that. Uh, I feel like that's then, the opposite of the yeah. message. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, adapted into episodes for TV shows as well. There was like an Andy Griffith episode, Happy Days, The Odd Couple, Murder, She Wrote, Veronica Mars. And there's also been the subject of parody. Yeah. Like, Every show does the musical episode and yeah. the 12 Angry Men yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, been the you know parody episodes like you know it's been parodying king of the hill family guy inside amy schumer and obviously the simpsons they parodied everything mm. but yeah it's even gone to inspire people to join the law you know obviously there are probably mm. a lot of people and they show it in you know law schools and stuff and like you know like you know there will be people who properly point out for instance the supreme court justice sonia uh sotomayor or mayor uh, she stated after seeing 12 Angry Men that she was influenced, you know, to pursue a career in law and particularly inspired by because she is herself from an immigrant family by the immigrant jurors, mm. you know, number 11's monologue, you know, and his reverence for the uh, American judicial system. So she saw that and was just like really inspired. But she does also bring up the fact that like, yeah, you know fucking juror eight brought in like a fucking knife and started knife. doing his outside research then they would have thrown this case out because yeah, you're like what kind of crazy but you know regardless <laughs> the uh in 2008 the american film institute named it as the second best courtroom drama ever on their top 10 list and the number one film we will be talking about next week as we dive in to here we go here we go harper lee's to kill a mockingbird Nice. Yeah. That's it. We're going to do it. Cool. You know, Phil, I used to like the Pod Charles Cinecast until, you know, it got all woke. It got all woke. Woke. <laughs> the wokest episode. Politics out of it. Yeah. Unsubscribe. out of it. Unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button. <laughs> We've always been this way. Yeah. 
Oh, that was that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Keep politics. That's why Top Gun did. You know, well, it wasn't woke. It was just guy being pro, being gay, and flying jets and bombing foreigners. Oh, so you just want to suck a dick? It's it's okay. It's okay. That's why we keep telling you, go suck a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an insult. <laughs> we just like, it's... It's therapy. Yeah. <laughs>